The answer to how much time can you put into this is always not enough. I remember we tried with CSM to be like, oh, here's the models early. And then it just like still was like, hey, bro, you got a month. Good luck. Supposedly, yeah, we did it. Okay, I just verified we are actually live. Yeah, after after the last episode, you know, just can never be really too sure. Um, welcome back, everyone. I think I've talked to everyone in here as recently as like 12, 12 hours or less. Um, but this is X and one episode. I don't know. We're still in single digits. No one cares. Glad, glad someone's uh, paying attention. Um, we have special guests on the show, Mr. Jim Stanley. And mm -hmm. Mr. Anthony Vanilla, uh, who are, uh, I believe, good friends, and uh, they play against each other often in real life. And, uh, you know, as in the lead up to 10th edition, we kind of wanted to, um, you know, search for some other topics that, like, maybe, like, were always, like, good ideas. And we're like, oh, we should totally do that. And then, like, events happen, and books release, and rules release, and previews happen. You just never quite get around to doing it. And we've been talking about doing this one for a while. Uh, and then we wanted to get uh, Jim on for two reasons. One, he um, he was one of our first um, people who gave us feedback to the show and said um, that when we put out our message and then we put out like the first couple episodes, it said it like really kind of like, I guess, like adjusted his mental. I'm sorry if I'm paraphrasing or not getting this quite right. No, that's okay. Um, but, he got, but he got really excited for the, the game again. That's always really exciting. And then also uh, we wanted to talk about commission painting um we have uh the person the commissionee and the commissioner uh in the same show so maybe we can like maybe we can like engineer a little drama or friction for like you know some laugh tracks or something like that um but we want to talk about like what it's kind of like when the end goal isn't necessarily you know a lot of times it's we want a commission army for looks and then like everything else kind of falls after other times it's like hey you know this time i got a deadline and i want performance um, but looks are still important to me. Like when you get a fast card, put a nice page job on it, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so before we bury the lead too much, uh, how are you all doing? Let's start with uh, let's start with our newest guest, uh, Jim. What have you been up to? I'm doing good. I uh, it's been a crazy school year. I'm a teacher and uh, <laughs> as my main job. So um, yeah, please tell us all about what? yourself. Where? You're new, Where? You're new to everyone. <laughs> so I teach uh, I teach eighth grade history in uh, in New Jersey, and um, it's been a crazy year. Uh, and I think teachers around everywhere pretty much saying the same thing but um yeah commission painting is is my kind of side hustle um i i use it to pay for the hobby and stuff like that so yeah uh currently teaching feudal japan which is pretty cool um taught a lesson about the samurai today um you know we've been doing this like scrapbook of japanese culture and stuff so uh it's pretty fun and then uh came home went for a run and now i'm here on top of his many other talents, Jim is a marathon runner. I mean, I've run two marathons, but yeah. Nice. <laughs> my, uh, my uh my wife Cindy, she's training for a marathon. Um, so next next year I'm actually um changing more into a support role, like words. This year she's kind of supporting me in what I'm doing. Next year I'm kind of supporting her what she's doing. So we're actually 
traveling to a few places and you know the whole family we're gonna make family trips out of it and she's gonna do like at least like one or two marathons so i'm excited oh, yeah. about that not only do you come here for the uh game content you come for the relationship relationship advice content yeah there you they go play many roles i'm playing i'm playing the long game i don't want to have to sit out 11th <laughs> So. There you go. <laughs> uh, Anthony, uh, I know it's been a busy couple weeks for you. How you been? Uh, it's been good. Uh, it hasn't been crazy busy since I've been back in the States. Like, it's been actually, like, by by comparison to the weeks before, it's been pretty chill. Uh, it's about to get fucking wild, though, uh, in, like, a month when 10th, like, really starts to kick off, and then I imagine July is just going to be, like, a Lovecraftian nightmare of not having free time and me trying to schedule too many things and not enough hours. Um, so, yeah, uh, things have been mostly good. Uh, it's been weird that, like, World Leaders is billed as this, like, you know, mindless berserker army, and, like, I only play <laughs> them when I want to try a bunch and when I want like a break from putting in effort, I play literally anything else. Uh, cause I feel like I'm not giving the person a meaningful rep. So, cause world leaders with your brain off is just fucking terrible. And world leaders with your brain on is really good, but a lot of work. So it's a weird balancing act when it comes to providing practice games for the, the teammates of various stripes. Yeah. It's, it's, I've noticed that too with uh, with world eaters. If you're running like the medalists, like Invocatus, Eightbound, and uh, Zerkers, and yeah. you're trying to like no kidding like win an event with or whatever, it feels more like uh, a loaded gun that's like that you're that's like waiting to go off. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> and that's and that's the army. And sometimes the entire game, they, it never goes off all game, and yeah. then you score an eighty, and then you score an eighty, and you win. Um, and it's, so it's very opposite of what you would think. But yeah, Cord likes the eighty. Yeah, it is a uh, it's it's high stress actually because you're just sat there like fight or flight for five turns, <laughs> and if you never pull the trigger, you're just stressed for five turns. And like often, someone will like fuck around leading to the finding out, and then you get to just crush their skull and everything's fine. But like often not, so you're just like. I think I think my favorite. <laughs> I think my favorite part of every game is uh, when someone starts doing something, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I was like, I think this might be him calling my bluff. Does he see it? You know, like the one guy is like slightly out of position. Like yeah. there's, you're, you're trying to screen with like uh, the threat of a heroic intervention, but there's like one small gap, and you see someone moving, and you're just kind of like, because you think oh. he sees it, and oh. then he keeps moving, and you're just like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like not not what you would think you'd be worried about with world eaters. Yeah, my favorite thing in the world in world eaters is actually when someone gets too close and then shoots me with three melta guns into a corn berserker unit. Oh, that, no. is, <laughs> that is my heaven because it's like everybody yeah, yeah. killed the, the shit out of those two dudes and the, the other gift three, the guy doing yeah the gift the guy doing the the somersaults with the uh, the jet ski. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly an appropriate trade. Yeah. So uh yeah, that's uh that's that's how I've been doing. I've been doing pretty good. Things are going well. Cool. Yeah, I feel uh, like you the... described the three out of four oh gap. What'd you say? In your in, I feel like you just described the three out of four oh gap between the like shove people forward or like are you trying to win this thing? Yeah, yeah. No, there's a, I mean I can talk about that for days. The difference between like one loss world leaders and undefeated world leaders is yeah. very <laughs> The um, for those who don't who are behind on the main show or haven't been following, um, you've been you've been 
globe trotting a little bit uh like where where have you been the last two months so quick? i went to the alpine cup as part of going to the alpine cup i went to poland the week before which was cool uh a huge portion of actually how i was able to afford this series of trip was through fucking skills i picked up from tim uh tim is this way this way that way there we go uh <laughs> the uh like credit card wizardry that he taught me made affording this shit way easier so i went to poland a week before the tournament i hung out with typhus for like a full week in warsaw then we went to like we basically road tripped from the where warsaw is in poland through krakow into the czech republic into austria and back when the tournament was over so that was really dope and just a small part of like the wider experience of 40k like the toy soldiers part school doing that shit was insane and something i never saw myself doing so yeah that was cool disclaimer i am not a financial advisor he's not but (laughs) financial adjacent advice that is mostly like hey anthony you should try like literally at all to save money on this and i was like oh that seems smart let me do that oh man uh cliff man what have you been up to um crusade league getting these games in um again it's mostly like an intro introductory competitive experience for folks who are new to the game so i got to play somebody who's like you know was on their second game of ninth had a really unfortunate first run in they were like oh this game's about gotchas and like laser measurers and people not understand what i'm trying to do and i was like nope that's not it. That's not how it has to be. So okay. he's running Blood Angels. I've been running Chaos Knights. Um, I basically talked him through tabling me um, top of turn three uh, because he was fully committed in retrospect. Just like, I'm just going to jam my guys forward and like charge you, right? Like, that'll be okay. They'll make it through one round of shooting. I'm like, mm, maybe, probably not. Here's what we can do instead. Uh, so we like made sure the table was nice, made sure that he was making appropriate decisions, and he had a great time. And, and I think he was like sort of at risk of ditching the league completely um, before that, which is awesome. Yeah, that was sick. It's like the optimal outcome. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just like hobbying up these nights. That's been super fun. Continuing to hobby these Death Watch, also fun. It's good to have like big boys and little boys to mess with. And um trying to fight the creeping sense of doom. I have about 10th edition and like the raw math that has been shown to us so far and how it seems increasingly like, you know, poke person out, they die immediately and you get killed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Look, if you already have a good armor save, the reduction in AP will surely cover the difference of the fact that you're going to take like 40% more saves. It's going to be yeah, right. That's, that's like, that's how it works. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how aligned the uh, uh, less rerolls less lethal uh branding is gonna work out we'll see yeah it's been definitely felt a little bit tone deaf how like they like led with like the less rerolls and then they previewed everything so like maybe they're telling the truth but also like there's a thing called optics and like a way to manage it and that's that's not my really favorite, how i would have my favorite done. part of that is that it's the same article like it's like less rerolls oaths of moment like just yeah. boom boom really like, into are you sure my, I always like to think that every GW preview article has been written by two people who have never met. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. What about you, Tim? Um, it's been pretty quiet for me. I've mostly, uh, as Anthony has alluded to, Team USA is gearing up in earnest. Um, and then also, um, 
background for those of you who may or may not know i'm an air traffic controller in southern florida uh spring break is now over um so my i've gotten a bunch of free time and i've also a lot of my lower priority commitments i have shifted to other people or taken care of or wrapped up um or deferred uh so that way i can just pretty much all my focus my free time that's like not on my family or like social life or whatever is pretty much at this point x1 team usa um which anthony is giving me to go ahead to say this um i haven't made the roster but i've made like the last round of cuts before the starting roster so i don't know if that has like an equivalent to anything but like i'm one step closer so that's kind of cool um but either way like I don't know. Team USA is is way different this year than it has been since its inception. Um, and we're trying to do like almost like a professional sports program kind of generational power thing where like we have people like red shirting and stuff like that. So even if you don't make final cut or top cut or roster, uh, you are kept on um, as someone who has potential is just maybe not there yet or you need a little more experience, whatever, because it the way it was described to me is they were definitely looking for people who are coachable and then had like integrity and character um, more than maybe necessarily being like the strongest player in the room. So, um, so like that was building the program over time, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to put it is they're trying to build a program. So, and I, we can definitely see it. So it definitely feels a lot more structured. I've, I've never seen the inside before, but from what I've heard and what I'm seeing, it feels a lot very structured behind the scenes. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, I did an RTT. Um, we had like four undefeated because it fired with 26. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, crazy. I I brought my uh, RTT. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big RTT. Um, I ran the Slash Rust list I've been running, uh, played Ultramarines, uh, Tau, and then um, Botan. Uh, got second, immediately turned around, used some of that money to get a second Demon Prince because that sculpt goes so hard true um that's it that's all i've been doing oh uh yeah uh all day today i was kind of like noticeably absent from like discord and other places today was my seventh year anniversary uh it's my beautiful wife and Woo! uh it's 13 years we've had together and so we yeah. uh we dropped the kid off at school and we went out uh to fort lauderdale beach had some day drinks uh, got some stand-up paddle boards with stand-up paddle boarding in the beautiful sun and blue ocean waters um and then for about three hours, and then had some more day drinking, and then came home. And we slipped it off a little bit, picked up the kid from school, and now I'm here. So far, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Good day. It was a good day. Cool. So let's uh, let's kick this thing. Um, Jim, talk to us about just everything, man. I, I think you're, yeah. you. I think that you're. What I'd heard is you were like maybe not in such a hot spot, and like now you're like reinvigorated. So just the floor is yours, man. Just anything. Yeah. anything. Just talk totally. to us. Uh, so yeah, I kind of, I was going through, um, I don't know, kind of a rough patch in, in my competitive 40 K career, I guess is a good way to put it. And, um, we sort of, uh, we had like our local store closed down and that's kind of still coming back. Um, you know, it, it's just been, it's been a hell of a school year. So I've kind of been sort of, you know, less energetic than I would normally be. Uh, just a lot of things kind of hit me at the same time. Um, and I didn't really feel like I had a solid army that I liked repping with, you know, it, it was sort of stuck in this, um, this doldrums, I guess. Um, the other part of the, the equation is that there's a lot of really good players around me. Um, 
And that's actually kind of always been my story. Um, I first started playing competitive 40k back um, when Jack and Nick were playing at Only Game in Town in uh, Somerville, New Jersey. That closed also, so I have that <laughs> nice tradition too. Um, but I've always kind of been the weakest competitive player in the room, which isn't really a bad thing because it means that you have something to learn from everybody around you. But, you. but I did kind of develop this complex over the various editions of like, I kind of suck at this game. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was explaining to Anthony one time, I was like, I feel like you guys think I know more about this than I do. <laughs> um, and and so, so there's a little bit of that, a little bit of kind of imposter syndrome of like, you know, oh, they're going to find out I have no idea what I'm doing, you know, and then they're just, you know, um, they're not going to want to play games with me or whatever. Um, but then, you know, you guys started X and 1, and there were so many just awesome messages in there and it really spoke to me uh, as somebody who's really busy and trying to balance stuff and um i think the the real thing that like was a light bulb for me was the way you guys kind of framed it as try to do fewer things but better and really try to focus your energy where you can and maximize like, all right, I have X amount of time, I have X amount of money, I have X amount of reps, let's get those reps with an army that like, I can put on the table, I can play it a few times and get the hang of it, I can, you know, get it painted up quick, or I can, you know, work on painting something else, because this is already painted, you know, something like that. And um, that started to kind of percolate in my mind. And, and I really started to think about it of this feels so much more attainable than you know, slam a million games that you totally don't have time for and try to master this super complex faction and list. And, you know, that that was just unrealistic for somebody like me. And I think for a lot of people um, in X and one. So I, I feel like as soon as you guys posted that first episode, I was like, yes, more of this just directly into my brain, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, you know, from there on, I was like, yeah, we can do this. You know, I, I don't know. I haven't been super successful in ninth. I've had like a, a middling record. You know, I, I go three and three. I go like, I think I went three and two at a, a GT one time to sometimes worse than that, you know? Um, so I did kind of feel like when they announced 10th, I was like, oh man, like I never really, I never did it. You know, I never got there the way I wanted to. Um, but when I got over that, I was like a, a lot more positive about everything. And um and really, like, it's it's this podcast, it's this community. Um, everybody, like, sign up for the Stat Check Discord if you're <laughs> if you're not, because I don't know. It's it's the most supportive and positive community I've been involved in in a really long time. And like, anybody posting that painting channel, they're getting feedback, they're getting compliments. Like, it's just a very uplifting and fun place to be without it being like it's not overly. You know, people people aren't lying to you. They're they're giving you honest feedback, but they're doing it in a way that's like, like, hey man, try this. Like, I don't know. It, it's just something that I log in there and it, it makes me happy. So I keep doing it. You know, um, yeah. Man, that's awesome. awesome. Um, Anthony, what did that look like from your end, man? I know you were you were kind of like there when all this was was going down. Yeah. So yeah, Jim's uh, enthusiasm was definitely like waning, and like. Jim's played, like, Eldar for a while, and now, like, I, I have, like, a slightly, like, 
not great opinion of craft world in ninth like i think their army basically only works if you can gaslight your opponent into taking like into thinking that point trades matter in the game and not primary I'm uh, <laughs> and it's it's you know jim's too honest for that it's just not really a great way to play if you, you know if you go into every game you're like listen man you really want to trade that orc boy unit for this ranger squad i know i'll get a zero on primary but that's 25 points down and if you just do that the whole game your opponent just like listens to you when they shouldn't you'll win a lot uh, and that's not like always how Craft World wins, but that's definitely always what it feels like. Um, so I was like, listen, we're going into an event. Like, this was right before X and One, actually. This was the Mythicos event. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was like, surprise, you're a Blood Angels player again. Armor Contempt's really good. Uh, you're gonna pick these three secondaries every game. Literally, don't even write points next to them until the game's over. We played a game where like he paid attention to his secondaries the whole time and i was playing like levy just like right after it had been nerfed but with a bunch of monsters and like i beat him because he was like trying to score points and then i was like we're gonna play again and you're just not allowed to know what the score is all you're allowed to do is play 40k that's it and then he played and he beat me and i was like see look all the things you were gonna do anyway are fine just do them so after that uh blood animals got like ruthlessly murdered by games workshop because of reasons that i've still not worked out because um, I was playing them. That's how that works. Yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> sacrificed them at the knife to raise Iron Hands from the grave or something. Um, so we needed something else. And that was around when X and One came out. And the Solar Watch Custodes list was starting to get some popularity. And it was a way to play Custodes that wasn't just like roll four ups. Because um, you were like, there was a lot of shit going on in that list. Like, yeah, you had two bricks of 10 dudes, but like you were doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of like, Stratagem, Katah, this, that, the next, like, like you know, GPS, like, good player shit that you had to do while you were playing that army. Like, generic good player shit got super rewarded in that army, because if you did it well, it went really hard. So we had a practice weekend where you played it, played it a whole bunch, um, and it went really well. So we were like, all right, we're going to All is Dust, you're playing this. And, then like, between the podcast stuff and the finding of an army that was much simpler than Eldar, but not, you know, brain dead. Mm-hmm. We we got a newer ver- a new and improved version of Jim, at least for this event. So yeah, that was what it looked like from my perspective. Yeah, and that event was a really good time. I mean, like, props to everybody that ran that. It was just such a fun event. I <laughs> I ended up going two two and two, um, yeah. which is like perfectly balanced as all things should be. Um, yeah. And my round six, despite being, uh, I guess, what I was. Uh, Two one and two at the time. My round six was Scary, <laughs> and I was on one hand I was like, "Sweet, I'm I get to play Scary," and he was so such a great opponent to play against. Like I would gladly play him in a heartbeat. But man, he murdered me. <laughs> <laughs> like the the level of combat finesse that that man exhibited in that game was inspiring. I was like, "Man, I want to like be able to play half as good as that," you know. Um, and I I thought I was like, "Good on." You know, good on me for reacting to it that way because I could have been like, oh man, I have to play this really like pro player and I'm not even, you know, because I've reacted that way in the past. I definitely have. Like, <laughs> there have been times where I've gotten paired against Anthony round one in the Mythicos uh, GT and gone fuck <laughs> <laughs> to a point where they stopped allowing that to happen. Yeah, it happened three <laughs> times in a row. It's and it. on the third That's one, absurd. on the third one, they actually repaired the round. They were like, yeah. not again. Like, this isn't allowed to happen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I have um, like comically, mythically bad pairing luck, um, just in general. And anybody who's played with me 
all the way back to like sixth edition will tell you that that's true. Yep. So, you know, is what it is. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Like, really glad to hear. Um, yeah, I can't really, can't really think of anything to expound on that. Um, Cliff, do you have anything, or otherwise, I think we, we could just flip right into uh, the commission stuff. Well, I'm I'm sort of interested in like. So this is interesting to me because Anthony, you're a coach. You coach players. Yep. Jim, you're a history teacher. Yep. Eighth graders, which are like, I used to be the principal of a middle school. And that's like a notoriously challenging <laughs> grade of kid to teach. Um, so what was it like? What's it like, Anthony, from your end, what's it like being a uh, coach slash source of gameplay support for Jim? And then Jim, as a teacher, what sort of interesting observations do you have about Anthony's approach um, in that in that coaching work? So from my end, you usually hear that like teachers make terrible students. Uh, that's like a very, very common thing. It is. Uh, so but like Jim doesn't exhibit any of those traits. He tends to just like, I've been given directions, I will follow said directions and like do the thing. Which is why it never made sense to me that he played Eldar, because like if you just give Jim a straightforward game plan, he'll execute it for six rounds of an event, like five battle rounds, six rounds of an event the entire time. But Eldar is like in the mists, divine the leaves <laughs> on the fourth Tuesday, roll a dice, flip a coin, and you need to hold three objectives this battle round. And it's like, how are you supposed to know that? It's like, oh well, you just play the army for a really long time. It's like, but I've been playing it for a really long time. It's like, no, that doesn't matter. It's like, oh, okay, this is just you're making shit up now. Um, sorry, all our players. You're gonna get bashed a lot. This I played. I played three games with Craft World Eldar, and I was just like, I just sold the entire army. I was like, <laughs> Fuck. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I was like, I get it now. I definitely get it. And those three games have given me so much insight to every game I played since then into Eldar. Yeah, but at the same time, I was like. This is that's why when Cliff is telling everyone to like to always buy Eldar at the start of edition, I was like, mm, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have good rules, trust me. But it's however not yeah. always. It's not always enough. Yeah, the not way... enough. I was tripping over myself left and right. Yeah. yeah. The, the other problem with Eldar is like they're like the platonic inverse of how I like to play the game, where I'm like, here's a million bad decisions. Good luck getting them all right, and if you get any of them wrong, you lose. I try and force that on my opponents i tend to have a great win rate into eldar because over top of that their army does that to them i don't even have to do anything like, <laughs> oh yeah when i play yeah. eldar i feel like i'm trying to do calculus underwater yeah <laughs> and i haven't studied yeah <laughs> yeah i should clarify that even as i recommended eldar because they are always good in every edition no matter what uh, I do not actually own an Eldar army. That's wrong. I own a bunch of Wraith models because I'm a memer. And uh, oh, that's yeah. the only way that I would play that. But like, act like, yeah, I can't. I'm not doing all the brain stuff. You can't big brain it like that. When Anthony keyed me onto that Slaanesh Rust list, um, man, I just couldn't think of like well enough because that list, um, it has like three data sheets. So like on a surface, it's real simple. But it's all about that... That list is entirely about um, deployment, movement, and reserves. Yep. Um, and then the the tempo of when and where you're bringing that stuff in, and then like how your on the board stuff meets the stuff that's coming in from reserves. And there's usually there's usually like several like kind of like pincer moments that are happening, <laughs> and you really 
and you're really kind of either like just attacking primary or attacking secondary or or both while doing your own thing. And it just it just feels very I'm just playing capital W W or Hammer. Yeah. Um yeah. there's there's ways to mess it up and it's it's weird because I I I've just been playing so many reps of that game, that that list. And it's just crazy, like the levels it goes down between like three. And again, it's like three data sheets, but yep. it's it's been very fun to play. Most of my coaching, and so like the like doing the list writing coaching, and Jim's been like a pseudo coaching coaching client of mine for a long time. Like when it comes to like giving someone a list, you get like one every like data slate. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> You're gonna play that. And we're not going to change a goddamn weapon option until I see a positive win rate. Good luck, because I know that list can pull a positive win rate. So any problems between point A and B, ain't the list, bro. We got reps to get. <laughs> so, and that's how I do everything. Like all my coaching clients, it's almost universally the same. Here's a list. I know it's powerful. I know this is the plan. Go execute it. If you find yourself having trouble with X, Y, or Z situation, talk to me about it we'll set up a situation like we'll set up literally games to fix that but we're not like changing the deck chairs on the titanic to borrow a phrase from innis because it's not gonna fix the sinking ship <laughs> so yeah I, I love that saying yeah yeah so uh yeah as far as that that's uh that's my bit of that that's cool jim hey, jim, jim what's what about your end yeah. yeah so so on my end um I totally agree with Anthony. Like teachers do often make terrible students. Um, but I think I kind of am an exception to that because in my experience playing team sports growing up, um, especially football, um, I was an offensive lineman. I know like I'm not that big, but <laughs> um, I got by because I was very coachable and, you know, my team wasn't great. We didn't win a lot, but um, I always felt like I played solidly because I was very good at following directions. I executed the play I was given and I put the execution of that play ahead of whatever I was trying to do personally or whatever. If it was making lots of tackles or, or whatever it happened to be, whether I was on offense or defense, you know. Um, and so when I work with Anthony, it's really nice to have somebody just say, here are your orders, do it. Because so much of my life now is make a decision, make a decision, make a decision. And the number of like, they're usually simple questions, but the number of questions you have to answer on a daily basis as a teacher, probably numbers in the thousands. <laughs> it's, it's constant. And um, when I'm doing something for fun, I don't want to have to you know, answer all these little tiny questions of what do I do now, what do I do now? I, I want to have a a framework of, all right, your objective, like your win condition is, you know, this, like go for these secondaries, play Warhammer. Um, and so I love that approach of let's not get lost in, in the woods. Let's not, you know, um, overanalyze the list. It's here's your tool. We're just going to get better at using that tool. Um, you know, this is how you block now just go execute the blocks in the right direction. You know how to do this because you practice the steps a hundred times. You know, that's kind of, you know, what appeals to me because yeah, left to my own devices, I will overcomplicate the ever loving crap out of everything. <laughs> um, because I am, you know, that that's how I think I'm constantly like, oh, am I doing this right? Am I, you know, and I get so lost in my own head. It helps to have somebody just sort of bonk, you know, no, 
this is what we're doing. Stick to that, you know, and uh, yeah, I guess I guess it's the uh, the football coach I <laughs> I still need. Um, and I am also I, I coach running um, at my school. I, I did coach football for one uh, one year. I liked it well enough, but uh, stuck with the running. And it's funny because of how often Anthony will tell me something and I'll go, holy crap, I just told kids that last week <laughs> all the time. Um, and it's just this, I feel like my life is this ongoing story of me learning lessons that I've already taught other people. <laughs> um, and Cliff, you were mentioning before um, that you had a game that you were working with uh, with your friend on, on Crusade. And having the opportunity to teach somebody, I feel like, makes you so much better of a Warhammer player. Um, and I think that applies to just about everything in life. But um, I have a buddy of mine who relatively new, he's just kind of getting started. And what I find is like when I teach him um, the basics of the game, my play has to be completely solid. I have to be clean. I have to be like, there's no take backsies. There's no nothing. I just have to play the game and I have to do my best to help him play the game. And so going from a coaching game with Anthony where he's doing some of that for me, and then I'm passing some of that on, it sort of helps reinforce that lesson as my headphone falls out of my head. Um, <laughs> and if I feel like that's like advice I would give anybody. If you can find somebody to sort of mentor, even if you don't think you're very good, um, you're gonna, it's gonna benefit you, it's gonna benefit them. And I think it, it gives you such an opportunity to see your own growth in a way that, I think is often hard, like, especially again, Anthony, you can back me up on this. How often I say, I can't tell if I'm getting any better, you know, yeah. and he's like, shut up. You are like, you know, doing this, this, and this, it helps so much to have that point of comparison and to have that ability to, to show somebody like, Hey, this is, this is what I learned. And now this is how you do it. Um, I don't know. It just really reinforces that and, uh, and drives it home, you know? Sorry, I went off a tangent there, but <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, perfect. Perfect. that's exactly what exactly what we're listening to. Like anytime <laughs> we can get a guest come on and go on a tangent, yeah, versus like us accidentally going on a tangent, you know, and kind of like actually like smothering or taking over, that's perfect. That's that's beautiful. That's the absolute stuff we want. Um, yeah, like when you're in it, it can be really hard to see like that you're improving. You're like, well, I like I feel like I have to be better at like something, but like to actually you know, get that external feedback is really good. Um, sometimes it could just be simply that guy that you, that one game you remembered, or that's not necessarily a bad game, you know, but like that one guy you just remember like last year that you, you paired into and you bounced off super hard. And then this time you made him sweat a little bit, or this time you just trounced him. And it wasn't mm -hmm. like, it was kind of like casual or something like that. Or you started to notice that you don't have to scroll down in BCP to find yourself like at the end of the day anymore in events, you know, like now you're like on that first page or something like that, you know, that's yeah. cool stuff like that. No, that's a, that's a really good point uh, that Ben just put up. I think 40 K is similar in lines, being able to show your work at math. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I think, the I think the community is getting a lot better at, um, at, codifying and putting into words concepts that have been around probably as long as like second or third edition, but we're just kind of like taught down verbally or like the game is generally, even though it exists in paper, the game has usually been taught verbally, but yeah. especially 
way back in like dinosaur era, like second and third edition, you had to go to like our boys and like kind of like know like some people like to get the idea of like what a good list is and why it was good and stuff like that. And then even then there was concepts like pressure and screening and like threat overload, but those terms used to not exist. It was just something that people like just the handful of people that were playing competitive 40k at that time like they knew and if you asked them like what they were doing and how to replicate those results they would probably actually struggle to tell you and now we have people who are like rtt heroes or have been playing for three months you know stuff like that or like people like anthony who are like uh you know uh in contention at majors within six months or whatever like what six eight months of you starting you were like in contentions at majors and that's and i think one anthony was around good players you know but two um the the amount of information sharing um and the ability to immediately turn back around and then build on those stepping stones that those came before us is much more established now than it used to be so i think we're gonna the last time i was at lbo uh, i commented to some of my friends i was like man it was a uh, lbo two years ago i think i went to yeah uh and the last one i went to before that was the lbo that was in 2020 and i commented i said that this player field is noticeably noticeably better than the last one and i think that's going to continue to happen especially now that the 40k is exploding and they, yeah. and all the cool. information that's sharing the mate the the all these shows that are actually putting out like good quality content <laughs> uh, us um, <laughs> the this the stat check in general just art of war all this information sharing you like i think it's it's really cool to see just the community just kind of do this and do this and do this Oh, sorry. Okay. I think uh, at that LVO, you played my boy Brandon in the second round, Tim, which is like not normally when that matchup should happen. Like Brandon normally goes four and one, like that's his thing. He he wins like loses like once, maybe twice, and those other games are just like vicious. Like yeah. Brandon exists in like this very funny space where he like if you're like likely on Team USA, decent odds he loses to you. Everybody else, rough day in the office. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, 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 I felt a little bit bad because I knew, like, because we ended his run like real, real soon. But yeah. at the same time, like, important too. Yeah. I, I also, he was playing custody, so I knew like that game. That game was on a uh, was bounced. Razor's Edge. Razor's Edge, right from the get go, and also like I treat everyone with respect. Um, yep. One in like just manners and p's and q's, but also like you know, like I have a plan to figuratively on the table kill you. At all times, you know, like even like if you could like be like the most nicest, charming, like 50 year old man playing your old screens, you got nameplates on your old like your rims, you know, yeah. phone clip on your belt. And I, I, I will treat you as a real opponent until your army is on the floor and is no longer moving. And then that point, that's where I like pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. You got to watch out or Thomas Bird will get you. Yeah, no, Thomas Bird, man, that guy will. Like, <laughs> will you, that guy will lull you. That is like that is like the capital D, lowercase a, capital D, dad of Warhammer, man. He, <laughs> will also, he is also super cool. Yeah. I thought he was Jaime. The first time I met him, I thought he was Jaime Paris's dad. I would have believed that. Dads of forty k grudge match coming. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> oh boy. He's also like seven feet tall. He's, Winner gets a golden New Balance sneaker. Dude, dude <laughs> him, I have to look like directly up, like not like I don't have to like crane my neck. I have to look like straight up. 
when you t- when you go to shake his hand, like a hand comes through the clouds. It opens yeah, up yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like. Nice there's, a, there's, a, there's a golden George Foreman grill in it, and he's like, "That's for you." Yeah. <laughs> I don't even I don't even what we're talking about. Do we have any more questions for Jim? like Jim? Man, thank you for coming on again, man. We love stuff? we love the feedback. Oh, yeah. the feedback. Oh, uh, go ahead. I said commission stuff. Oh yeah, we're getting. Oh yeah, we're yeah, getting, yeah. We're I'll wrap this up and we'll get there. But again, Jim, like, please, again, we'd love the feedback. If anyone else has feedback, please keep it coming because this is the kind of stuff we want to hear. And again, I, as the community, as we kind of alluded to, as the community is getting better and better, um, especially as so much like young blood is coming into the community, young blood has is pulling that information that's out there on the internet and from other players that came before, and then coupling it with seemingly infinite free time. Um, and just also just there's way more people playing. I think uh, uh, Curry posted up the numbers, uh, at least internally, like it's exploded, yeah, almost doubled since last year. So wow. so also, like, I don't, I don't want to make excuses, but like if it feels like if it feels like you are getting worse relative to like your peer group or other people, like it might just be because there's more people coming and there's more ideas sharing stuff like that. And the community is in general getting better. Um, so therefore like any term you go to is going to feel harder. Um, so don't let that discourage you, please, 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 please. Uh, there's a lot of new people out there with a lot of new ideas and a lot of time on their hands. The community is just going to get better. Um, treat it like a good thing. Um, don't treat it like a bad thing. Opportunity to grow. Uh, so that being said, let's roll into the uh, commission stuff. Um, man, I'm not, uh, Cliff. I feel like this is more in your wheelhouse. I mean, I like to do a little <laughs> bit of hobbying, but I, I, I want to, I kind of want you to leave this segment. Yeah. So, Jim, like, I guess the outset. How did you get into the act of commission work? And then, like, do you have like an arts background? Did you sort of stumble into it? Was it purposeful? Got us. Uh, intro. Yeah, it's kind of um, something that I started doing. Like, so I guess I'll, I'll go way back. Um, Artistically, I was never, at least as far as I could compare to like my siblings and everything, naturally talented. I have two sisters. One of them actually is a professional artist. Um, the other one is also just a very uh, competent artist. And so growing up, I was no good at drawing or painting or any of that kind of stuff. But I got into Warhammer when I was like 12, 13 years old. And I just kind of kept trying. <laughs> and I would say sometime around my like early 20s was when I really started learning how to paint from like tutorial channels and stuff like that and really talking to people and stuff and so by the time I was in like my mid-20s um was when I started playing games with you know guys like Jack and Nick and um Jack actually hit me up and said like hey would you be willing to you know paint some stuff for me uh like a commission and I said yeah you know let's let's set that up and um you know I would paint for Jack every once in a while and then um, you know, a few more local friends and people that I knew through that community would kind of, um, you know, hire me for commission work. And, um, you know, eventually it just kind of became a thing I did. And, and it was a good way for me to have the hobby pay for itself. Um, and after a while, I'd say this is probably around 2019 or so, um, I did go, I guess, public briefly. Uh, like I made a website, I had an LLC, that kind of stuff. And, um, I was doing a little bit of like late advertising throughout discords and things. Um, what I ultimately found from that was that working on commissions for people I didn't know um, wasn't really for me. Uh, I didn't like um, trying to set prices and negotiate with people that I didn't personally know um, just because 
I don't have really like a sales background or any kind of business background or anything. That's just not the kind of thing I'm interested in. I wouldn't necessarily dissuade other people from doing that. Um, I just decided it wasn't for me because I'm only doing it part time. Um, so I kind of scaled it back a little bit and um, went back to doing it just for friends. And I wasn't super, super active, but um, then came Anthony <laughs> and he said, hey, I've got work for you. Um, and, you know, we've, we've sort of set up this ongoing, um, you know, system where <laughs> when something's coming, I kind of know like what Anthony's going to be playing. We set up his list. I start working on it. You know, we get it ready for the events. Sometimes we take it back and, you know, do more updates to it and stuff. But um, yes, that's a good example of that, right? CSM is an expansive project. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, how many have we done now? We've done what the Tyranids, CSM, and World Eaters. I mean, basically anything I've been successful with in the last eight months. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You've been you've been putting my work on the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was sort of how it how it got started, and um, you know. I do take on new clients here and there, but it's mostly on a basis of, you know, again, people who at least know somebody I know, um, because I also want them to feel comfortable in what they're getting. I, the worst thing for me would be for somebody to receive work from me and feel like, ah, uh, like I got charged too much. Like I got ripped off. Like I don't want anyone to ever feel that way. Um, and so I feel like I can better control for that. If again, it's, it's somebody I know, and I, if I give it back to them, they're like, hey, man, like this could use some more work on this, this, and this. I'll be like, sure, we'll, we'll throw it back in the next batch and we'll, we'll get it done, you know? Um, because, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a real businessy guy. So that's awesome. What's your like sort of ideal interaction from a new client? I mean, assuming that you're already in this safe space of like, yeah, someone you know has introduced you to them. And, you know, how, how does that first conversation go? Uh, so usually what I like to do is talk to them about their vision for the project. Um, and that's kind of like the scope, you know, how big of an army are we talking? Um, I also like to get in, and I think somebody actually asked this in the question thread, um, like how you go about pricing and stuff like that. And that's the hardest thing. Um, so oftentimes what I like is I'll ask them, what's your price range? How much are you looking to spend on this? Because then I can kind of... Um, calibrate the sort of work I can I can do because the the amount of money that they have to apply to it will tell me how many hours I can put into it essentially um, and of course there's wiggle room depending on what it is but um, I like to also talk about like what's their creative vision for it like what do they want to see you know um, Anthony's really good for this because he'll say like oh, I got this idea for like you know like you were mentioning something to me about like lava bases. He's like, I love the idea of them being on like a, we were talking about doing leagues of Otan, like the, the dark iron dwarfs from, um, from wow. World of Warcraft. I fucking yeah. love lava bases. Side note. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I can picture that in my head. Like I, I, I used to play. Wow. I know exactly what that looks like. And I love it when I can sort of imagine the vision they're going for. And then I can talk about, all right, well, I can do this, this, and this, you know, some of these techniques might be outside of my, my wheelhouse or it might be something that i can do but it would take me a really long time uh and so we kind of go back and forth in that process and um you know after that i'll usually um you know have them either send me a model i can do a tester on kind of like get a um, proof of concept for the scheme you know we send that back and forth um and that's kind of always been my thing i like there to be a conversation going on um mm -hmm. so during a commission i'll send lots of pictures i'll say like hey i you know i tried this technique on the armor like or Sometimes I'll do a side-by-side, -side, you prefer this to this. 
um, you know, depending on how much time I have for it. And, um, you know, I find that like having it be a dialogue also, I feel like re, um, reassures the client too that like, yeah, I'm working on it, you know, um, <laughs> because I feel like if I sent out a commission, I'd be so anxious the whole time. Like, oh, I, I hope my models are going well. So like, I just kind of do for my client what I would probably, I feel like I would want, you know, if I sent out my models to somebody, um, because I really do understand the emotional investment that comes with it, even if you aren't painting your own stuff. I mean, these are, you know, expensive models that we put a lot of time into and we, we invest so much of our emotions into it. And it's, it's, uh, you know, you want to know that it's being taken good care of, you know? Oh, cat. <laughs> yeah, cat appearance. <laughs> Love it. Um, how much time would you say goes into building out? And I got, you know, it's going to vary by requested mm -hmm. paint quality, I'm sure. But um, like for Anthony's World Eaters, as an example, which look amazing. Um, Thank you. How much time did that take to throw 2,000 points on the, ta on the table? So um, that one... I think we actually had that in, I think I, I kept a record of it in chat. I feel like, oh, shoot. That was, like was some, was that? I said it was like a month. It wasn't yeah, a month. yeah, it was like a month's worth of calendar time. And I think yeah. the number of hours was, it had to be over 60, probably more than that. Mm -hmm. um, because, but we also had a lot of, um, a lot of back and forth with the scheme. Like we were definitely, oh, yeah, you know, we did a lot of that. So that, that was a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, before the actual process of like machining everything out. Um, so it definitely depends on what I'm painting. Um, there are certain things that you can do, you know, in batches and you can kind of like the airbrush helps a lot with stuff like that. But with CSM, like there's always going to be some amount of it that's just going to be painting trim. You know, even if you do the reverse <laughs> trim method of like paint everything the trim color first, then paint the insides. Like I that. recommend that, by the way, if you can get away with it. Um, you know, if you have a scheme that allows for that, definitely do that. Um, but that's why doing a test model is so important because I, when I first started, I used to price models based on their size, which is like a reasonable mm. way of telling like, okay, yeah, like a space marine size model roughly takes the same amount of time as another space marine size model until you take into account the scheme and the trim and the bling and all the other stuff and like what do they want for the base that, that kind of thing so um i think that if if you're like a studio that makes sense right a studio can can machine it out and i think that's why like if you look at all the big studios like frontline gaming's paint studio and like um any of the other ones you might look up that have you know like a, a team operation going on yeah totally like price it by the size of the model makes sense as an individual though um if you are painting or you're hiring somebody it makes way more sense to price it based on the time it would take and mm -hmm. the techniques you're looking for. Um, and that's why I kind of like to set it up almost, like I said before, in the, in the reverse, like how much are you looking to spend? How much, you know, do you want to put into this? And then we can talk about like what I can output reasonably for that. Um, you know, and I can show off some of my past work and say like, all right, this is something that I would consider like the best I can do. This is like, the absolute minimum that I will put my name on and put on a table because <laughs> there is some of that too, where I'm like, I don't want to put anything on the table. That's, that's less than, you know, a certain quality. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's middle ground everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how I, I try to think about it. And so there's, there's not like a good answer for how long things take, but um, it's always longer than you think. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's for that's for damn sure. Man, that size versus quality. Oh, now my internet's messing up. Just like that. We can, uh, we can hear we can you. Oh yeah, that's good. As long as as long as you can hear me. Um, yeah, we just get a screenshot of you doing this. <laughs> good looking screenshot. I spent a lot of time laughing and smiling. Um, that size versus quality thing is a big deal because like you've got like an intercessor is like, oh yeah, this won't take long. And then you're like, an Ashway Nomad is smaller, right? And you're like, nope, that thing's got like 40 very small details mm -hmm. that require this yep. huge amount of time um, exactly. if you're really trying to focus in on it. Man, um, what is your approach to so still staying with the like real world example of the world leaders sure. you did for Anthony? What was your approach to batch painting that? Like what was your, what was the step-by-step -step process that led to a completed army there? So once we got the, the scheme nailed down, um, because what we did for that one is, um, and I don't know if Anthony has a picture somewhere, probably showing them off in uh, in chat, yeah. but um, we we've settled in on a very similar to a Black Legion scheme almost, where we had black armor uh, with like a brass trim instead of the gold that the Black Legion would have, um, with orange accents. So we had things like the eyes would be orange, any like glowing parts. Um, of course, you need a requisite amount of blood. We probably need to add more blood to them. Um, and I'm trying to think of what, oh, the, the base, he wanted uh, like a red earth, like a Martian earth kind of thing, which was a great choice, by the way. I really like the way that came out. Um, and there's, there's something to that also, just to go on a quick tangent. When a client asks for something that I personally agree with, it's such a motivator where I'm like, hell yeah, I really like, because that's what I would want to do. Um, and so something I, I joke around about is like, <laughs> I will charge you more if you if you pick your color scheme. Uh, if you let me pick it, it's it's less. Um, I don't actually do that, but sometimes I joke around. Um, I will say it is oftentimes easier if somebody asks me for like a scheme that already exists, I'll have an easier time wrapping my head around it. Uh, but anyway, so once we got that scheme nailed down, um, I was kind of back and forth with which method I wanted to use. Did I want to go... Um, you know, armor then trim, which is sort of like the classic method, or did I want to almost like Pain. pseudo slap shop it a little bit? Yeah. Um, and I watched a few videos of people painting various Chaos Marines, and um, that's, again, I'm going to go on tangent again, but uh, there's so much good tutorial content out there. Yeah. That, like, so I, it's amazing. I just enjoy watching it just for the, the process of it, and um, I'm going to shout out Cult of Paint so many times. They're probably my favorite. Um, I subscribe to their Patreon. Totally worth it if anybody's looking to get into painting and improve their skills. Like, yeah, absolute top tier kind of it's, stuff. It is so crazy, like, how um, when I first started, like, getting into the game or and getting into the hobby, and, like, I found out about thinning your paints. Um, and again, like, resources for Warhammer didn't really exist online back then. This was, like, 96, um, to date myself a little bit. Um, and then I found out about dry brushing because I saw... I saw um, models on display at a local comic store, and I I, I love you know that that characteristic kind of um, not grainy. I can't think of like it, but you you know that like you know what it looks like when a surface is dry. Yeah, yeah, that like that kind of texture that's there, or whatever. Like I thought that looked really cool, and I I just noticed the models look so much different than mine, and like the way the details kind of popped out and everything, you know. And I and I asked the guy, I was like. I was like, man, I was like, I, I brought some of my models. I'm like, how do I get this to look like that? And he like told me what dry brushing was. He explained it. I'm like, when he explained it, I immediately knew like the concept 
of why it was being done. I was like, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of doing that? <laughs> and so my my world was like blown away. And it's just funny. It's like fast forward, um, you know, like almost two decades. And now I'm sitting here on YouTube and I'm literally watching someone paint glowing plasma without fluorescent paint. It's just like, like it's just tr paint tricks and OSL. Yeah. And I'm and like, I was just thinking about the other day. Like I was just thinking back to like little Tim learning about dry brushing his mind being blown. I'm like, oh brother, if you could have only... If I only could go back in time and show you this, <laughs> wild. Oh yeah, because the model, because the models back then looked terrible. Like they looked absolutely awful. Like the yeah. standards have just like just like the. If this is the difference between like 40k players, uh, competition wise, between like 2023 and 1996, like this is the difference between like the painters. It's just not even not even in the same universe. Something yeah. that I, I often think about is. Um, and, and I do this with painting and just, just in general is I like to take a moment like every week or so and remind myself to like check in with 10 year old me and show myself how cool I am now. Cause I'm like, man, like I paint these miniatures so much like to a level that like when I, when I first got into Warhammer, I could not even imagine being able to paint like this. I just assumed I, I was incapable of it. Um, and, and like Tim said, like it, the average painter now is like a golden demon painter in the, in the nineties, you know? <laughs> I mean, not exactly, but you know what I mean? Like the, the quality is just right. like, it's that sharing of information of what you guys were talking about before, yeah. you know? Those jumps are insane. It's like the, um, like Bach, Beethoven, Mozart back in the day. You're like, this is it. These people are like untouchable geniuses. And now like literally 10 year olds play that music. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's very impressive that they do, but like it's literally 10 year olds doing it. And just the, the speed at which communities as they scale get better at the things that they do is is pretty incredible mm -hmm. uh, yeah. i remember a white dwarf like this is very specific when i was like 12 reading a white dwarf where they had the like tale of four armies these people are building up their things this guy was painting skaven clan rats paint straight to the plastic like boom dead on and i was just like wait what is happening like you don't need to prime it like what this is blowing my mind and like there's no varnish no nothing he's talking about needing to touch it up after the games like just like man this is crazy oh so bad so bad oh. and then now you know you just like hop onto instagram and you've got like you know a six slide tutorial that's better than anything that was in a white dwarf previously you know like it's yeah. pretty it's pretty incredible that? i just thought like one of the craziest things and every once in a while you just see something that just pushes the envelope for no reason um it was that that one instant i'm probably gonna mess up her handle it's called like like something orc guy or something and despite the name it's uh it's a, a female oh, savage orc guy. that's yeah, yeah. it that's it uh as yeah. she got her on channel now okay. yeah and she painted um i think it was her and i apologize if it wasn't her and it was someone else but i'm like 99 sure it was her but she painted um a zinch horror or a zinch herald but she painted it in um i don't know it's called reverse color or like something like that or whatever and when you put it through a reverse filter it was just a pink horror yeah it's incredible that's wild. but like what what unfiltered it was like it was all inverse color and it looked absolutely it looked like an acid dream then you're just like pink horror acid dream pink horror acid dream and i'm like that's <laughs> so insane so cool. As well as um, what's like, and I'm getting more into sort of like, what are the. I realized I didn't even finish. Uh, it's like Cliff's beating his, Cliff is beating his hero here. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, 
Wait, Jim, where were you saying? Oh, I was saying I, I didn't even finish explaining how I painted Anthony's world leaders. <laughs> yeah, go, go, go. Finish, finish, um, finish, finish. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, you know, I, I figured all that stuff out, and uh, I decided that the um, brass technique I was going for for the trim um, actually looked great with black contrast over it um, because it got us kind of the tone of armor we were looking for. So I ended up doing that inverse trim technique uh, and use black contrast. I think it was black Templar contrast to fill in those those gaps. Um, and then I oil washed it and you know, did a nice little reductive oil wash where you basically you oil the whole damn thing, use your thinner and you kind of come back in and you, you wick a little bit of a way to make, make it apply in the correct places, you know. Um, and then with the time that I had left, uh, I was able to spend more time on things like the glowing orange, you know, eyes and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it just make it look nice so that we could get it ready to go for, um, for uh, all his dust. And I think one of the funniest things about that whole process was the um, models I'm the most proud of are the rhinos. I don't know what it is. Yes. And Anthony I just made a face, so I think he agrees with me. Yeah. They just slap so damn hard. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I don't even like I did a I did a black. I, I threw like a um, a little gradient of gray on top of it to give it some depth. Um, I chipped some of the edges a little bit and gave them some weathering, but like not too much. Um, so they're relatively clean looking for a world leaders tank anyway. Uh, put transfers on them with like the mark of corn and stuff, and you know couple of like headlight effects, you know, some stuff on the treads and like, that was it. And I'm staring, I'm looking <laughs> yeah, at these, I'm looking at these rounds. You just described like six advanced hobby techniques. You're like, and that's all I did anyway. <laughs> well, it's, I guess because it's nothing you would look at and go like, oh wow, like this must've taken forever. It looks very simple, yeah. but it's just, I look at it and I'm just like, I couldn't have made it look this nice if I tried. Um, and I, I look at them and they just make me happy. You know, and so sometimes it's like these unlikely things in an army where you're just like, yes, that, you know, yeah. Just a little, a little casual reverse flip back OSL with the force perspective parallel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, easy, just casual, just no casual, you know, like just like yeah. you do on all your troops. Yeah. <laughs> the, troops in that, the troops in my world leaders army are actually like outside of the rhinos. My favorite part, the zerkers look insane. Like the eight bounder, clearly like the stars of the show. But I actually, yeah. my favorite models in the army are the zerkers. I I just really like that sculpt. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah those are hard. Really, really good. It's nostalgic, but at the same time, it it's modern enough that it, it looks the correct scale, but it evokes that same feeling of like reading that 3.5 chaos codex with Karn the Betrayer, you know, <laughs> uh, yes. oh, man. they get the little quote box and it just says kill, maim, burn like 16 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. Uh, anything else aside about GW, they really do make like the best looking plastic miniatures on the planet. The design team. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, they know what Whoops. they're doing. Yep. At least make a models. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like la one one last thing. Nah, I'll wait for uh, we can do it at the end of the show. Questions because it'll be it'll be a better place though. That's a that's a good segue. Let's roll into questions. Be like because we actually have almost all our questions are for Jim. Uh, should be no surprise, and yeah. uh, we'll keep that momentum going if I can find it. There it is. You guys are making me blush. Man, that's a lot of pin <laughs> messages. <laughs> I saw the Hellraiser gif in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and who and who is that? Like it's not even him. That's like someone else <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, this this question is a meme, so it's a great one to lead for. Uh, for Jim, a trolley with no brakes is heading towards a split in the tracks. 
on the current track is a battle ready army commission that needs to be done in four days. The other track is a job application to be the GW intern who writes the balance status slate. Do you keep the Charlie on his current track or switch it? Man, this question goes so hard. It does. Oh <laughs> man, you, that, that's Luke. You know, um, <laughs> I think I feel like this is the classic dilemma. Um, it, is the choice between destroying the commission and destroying the guy's application? Is that what I'm kind of? <laughs> The choice is like I, I, you have to apply or you have to do oh, the commission. It almost damn. sounds like you got to destroy your commission or you got to destroy the meta for three months. Um, <laughs> well, the meta's going to destroy itself anyway, so I probably yeah. Like someone's going to break it. Might as well be might as well be you, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's true. I could I could just yeah. Mm -hmm. No one's going to even notice it was me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll send it send it into the uh, into the the uh, the balanced data slate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No Save the army. People might not even notice. Like, you mm -hmm. know, they just might if, if anything, people might actually be like, Oh, this is the best meta of all time. This is you great. Know? Yeah. Oh, oh, so now, but... <laughs> uh Jim, teach painting classes. All right. All right no further painting. context. Just yeah. no further context. Done. <laughs> hey, that's maybe that'll be our uh, our fourth show. Um cool. <laughs> From Grant H, uh, regular to Discord, tips for speed painting, good, slant, decent. All right. Um, I, I read this question earlier because I wanted to make sure I had a good answer for this because Grant's the man. He is probably the nicest guy in Discord. Um, always oh, in there. Money, <laughs> he, he's the best. So um, the biggest thing, and I think this is like the X and one mantra, is simplify. Um, fewer steps and do those steps better. Um, this really clicked for me thanks to um, a Cult of Paint video where Andy shows how he went through um, doing his Ultway Eldar. And he talks about the process he goes through and he basically says, I identify the elements, the visual elements that make up the piece and like the army in general. Um, so he's like, all right, Ultway, for example, it's black armor, it's bone accents, and you got some fancy weapons and glowy eyes. Like that's the army, right? Um, and then he figures out a like a method for each of those steps that is, um, or each of those materials that is as few things as possible, as few moving parts as possible. And so he basically goes, all right, I'm going to do a nice looking black armor with just black with an airbrush. And I'm going to airbrush some, some gray over that just to make it look, give it some depth. If I throw too much gray, I go back and I just you know, get it right without spending hours and hours and hours. You get, get a whole squad of guardians done in an afternoon, easy peasy. Um, and then what he does, and I think the way he put this is really good, is he reinvests that extra time. So the time you save by doing it more simple, but clean, right? So it's simple, but it's, it's good, right? Um, you then get to reinvest in embellishing some of the things that are more fun to paint. Um, so I think he asked a question about Grey Knights in, in this one, right? So like you're doing Grey Knights, the things that pop on the Grey Knight model, like the, the, the model is made up of you got that silver armor and you've got that blue force weapon. Um, you really want to nail that force weapon and make it look nice. So you want to get the armor done using a technique that is simple and, and something you can replicate. So I would always say, like, practice it a few times. If you're using the airbrush, um, you know, see if you can get the, the reflections in the right places and, like, really hit it from the right light angle and stuff like that. Um, also, metallics are great for that. If you're doing a metallic scheme across an army, on camera, it's not going to look great, but on the table, it's going to look awesome. 
So, you know, for Grey Knights, you get a nice silver on everything. You get some blue in the recesses. Don't go, you don't have to go too crazy, just a little bit. And then you spend the rest of your time that you would have spent, like, you know, trying to edge highlight and all that other stuff. You don't even have to worry about that all that much. Spend it on getting those force weapons just perfect. You know, if you can glaze, get in there with the brush and glaze. If you can't, mask it off, airbrush it. Um, that's how I first did Grey Knight Power Weapons back in, like, 2013. And they looked all right, you know. I do it better now with a brush, but like, if you have masking tape, that's going to work, right? And it's all about taking the time that you know you have and doing it in a way that's fun because you should enjoy it, right? It's, it's, it's supposed to be fun. Um, and then at the end, when you're done with it, you go, yeah, like, I love the way, you know, I, I got some badass looking force weapon. I've got like glowing eyes on my dudes because they're psychic, you know throw a good base on them uh, don't skimp on the base do something that looks nice because again uh, a horrible base on a great paint job is just going to bring the whole thing down so um mm. uh, it, don't you don't need, don't need to have like a three-story high rock with like all this different stuff on it just you know something simple um i i like to do just like a, a simple earth with like some pigments in it um just do a couple of different pigments and you kind of rub them in and throw some thinner on top um i can go over that more in like chat and stuff, but um, relatively straightforward. But when the whole army's on the table, it's gonna look great, um, and you're gonna you're gonna be happy doing it because it's it's not a lot of stress. Um, and so that way, again, you can take all that time you would have spent stressing about that stuff, and you can put it into the fun. You know, the, the things that really make you want to paint. Yeah, I uh, I do apologize. That was a I guess like a two part question, and so, thankfully you said you, you spent a lot of time reading about it because the second part was uh, from Grant. What are good items parts to focus on that would elevate armor speed painting? For example, for GK, you might go fast in armor, but spend more time glazing swords, weapons, since those are more eye catching. Mm -hmm. So a little more context in that question. That was mm -hmm. that was what he asked, and you answered perfectly. Um, from Tom. Uh, when batch painting an army, do you recommend sticking to units with the same type of element confusion or hit all the pieces that need that color? Um, for this one, I think um, if your units have similar schemes across unit type, um, I like to I like to do them in a batch. Uh, so let's say like I have like a Blood Angels army and I'm doing um, tactical terminators and like intercessors. They both are red armor, you know bolter with a black casing, green eye lenses, and whatever kind of base. So I would I could do those together as a batch, no problem, because once I've got the method, you know, the, the recipe for my red, I'm just painting red. Um, but if I'm doing like an Eldar army, I will absolutely do, you know, each unit is different. So I'm going to paint each unit as its own project. You know, I'm going to do the Banshees, then we do the Dire Avengers, um, because I'm thinking about them differently. And um, one of the things that... Uh, when I talk about painting, it's actually really similar to how I talk to my students about writing. Um, I tell my students all the time that you can't think and write at the same time. Um, you want to do one than the other. I like to approach painting very much the same way. I like to um, set everything up so that all I have to do is just paint. I don't have to think, I just paint. Um, and make it as mindless as possible. Um, so in the case of like my, the Blood Angels example, I've got everything set up. Today, I'm just painting red. You know, tomorrow I'm doing bolter casings, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, it, it's just sort of whatever makes sense for your brain, I think, um, and and what makes sense for the project. You know, if, if you're the kind of person that can put 40 models on the table and go, 
do that. But if you're the kind of person that gets overwhelmed, um, break it down into chunks, you know, make it manageable because you want to give yourself those little wins of like, all right, I got this done today. And it gives you that motivation to, to paint tomorrow. Um, as opposed to like, I painted for 12 hours today and my desk looks the same every, you know, I, everything's still red. I don't know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't even know what red is anymore. Um, is it, is it just a different kind of orange, you know? Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, I think knowing your own psychology helps a lot there and like what motivates you. Um, for me, it's like nailing those, like getting things the way I envisioned it, you know, getting it to look like what I had in my brain. And so once I get that, I'm like, yes, okay, moving on, you know? Cool. Uh, the next question uh, from Elo Woozle, also known as Will. Uh, are there, I guess it's more of like a business question. Are there warning signs if the client or the seller isn't acting in good faith? Um, hmm. I'm Jim, I'm going to need you to kind of like bridge the gap for me a little bit because I think I think I know what he's getting at, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I, I think that there's probably people out there who would try and take advantage of people or like, you know, if, if you like offer a commission and then like, you know, take forever or, or just generally be deceptive in some way. I'd like to think it's probably less common than we might imagine. But like, I totally get the fear. Um, it's kind of what I was saying before about like the emotional investment you're putting in these models to trust them with a stranger is that's a lot, you know. Um, so I would say like if your gut is telling you that something feels off, it probably is. Um, number one is whoever you're doing business with should be willing to communicate with you. And if they're not, then that's not a great sign. Um, so that's like number one, they should be willing to, to sit down and talk with you, negotiate. Um, you know, of course, if it's one of the big studios, they have a reputation, they have a brand name. I'd say you're probably fine. Like, you know, whoever it happens to be, if, if they advertise and like have a website and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's probably good. Um, I would also say that like, just like any buying anything, watch for, you know, people offering quality or speed beyond what they're charging you. Um, and that's why it might be a good idea to shop around a little bit, you know, talk to different people about how much, you know, um, talk to friends who have commissioned things before, like how much did you pay for what you got, you know? Um, it's tough because every commission painter does things a little bit differently, but um, again, they should be willing to have that conversation. Um, and if there's something that's bothering you and you ask them about it and they're like a little cagey, then you can say, you know what, give me some time to think about it or you can walk, you know, there's plenty of people excuse me, that will be willing to do, take the job. So don't think you have to like sign with the first commission painter that you find. Like there's plenty of good people out there. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find someone to get it done. Yeah. That's the situation where you're sitting there and like the, the, it's funny I say this because I need a haircut. I get one tomorrow. But uh, you're sitting in the barber chair and the barber is just like absolutely just messing your shit up. Oh, no. Oh, and, it, and, you, and then he asks, and then he asks you like, you're like, how is it? You're like, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Oh, you guys and, are you so know, like, Yeah, but like, but like take that and multiply it by like a thousand. <laughs> like yeah. that's, and yeah. you don't want to be in that situation, you, especially if you can see it trending that way, you know? So mm -hmm. You know, speak up, be comfortable. If you're getting, if the vibes are off, like, pull out. Yeah. Cool. Next question. Uh, oh, oh, where am I? Man, this, our Discord is so big. Um, Jim, <laughs> what, I'm like looking all over the screen. Jim, what is your hot take on slap chop painting? 
Slapshot is awesome. Um, I I think it's a great way to introduce people to the idea of filtering and um, what do they call it? Like in Grizzale, I think is like what the what the artists call it. Um, it's grayscale plus color filter and um, the like the way they show it in the video and the technique is is great because it shows people like anybody can do this um, and it's accessible. Um, and the other cool thing about it is that even if you're trying to elevate your painting past that, like those speed painting techniques, knowing how to do it can create one of those time savers that lets you invest time somewhere else. So like, let's say you got a bunch of leather pouches and you're like, yeah, I could like go and paint it brown. I could do little chips and scratches, or I could just dry brush the thing give it a nice, um, you know, coat of a, of a leather kind of contrast color or like an ink or something. And then I can go spend that time some, on something else. Um, and I, I think I really like it for that. Um, it also, it's just fun. Sometimes you just want to vibe and like, you know, be able to watch Lord of the Rings and paint something at the same time. Like, it do is, that. It is, it is actually really fun. It is yeah. a really fun. Anyone who's like just hating on it, I'm like, just take something on your backlog that you haven't touched in three years and you say you're going to touch, but you know, you're not going to, and like, just yeah. try it. Yeah. Just try it. It's, yeah. it's fun. It's actually a very fun way to paint. Yeah. I did it on my, um, to the point you made Jim about watching the cult of paint video that said like, get some things done quickly. So you can like spend a lot of time on the cool stuff later. I did that for all the greater demons that I had like bloodthirster scar brand. And like, it just, it works. Like it's ideal for their skin. And then you can spend all that time on like, shiny highlights on their armor and making their weapons look cool and like your crazy lava bases whatever it is you're gonna do yeah it's good it's, to get the it's, it's great to get the uh the ball rolling too like just get to yeah. like that that inertia going and then all of a sudden like you start hitting the zone you're like almost like the painting version of runner's high mm -hmm. um and then my i think i don't use it for every army um i think some armies lend themselves to it better than others um, sure yeah but More i what i found, yeah what i found i've really liked doing with it is doing the regular slap chop uh and instead of doing their method where they showed like the dry brush gray then the dry brush white i do the um i prime black and then i prime uh white from like yeah kind of like almost from like uh maybe like a not quite a 50 like, yeah like i'm just making up numbers right now um like but like not quite straight down but like from 45 up to straight above to 45 mm -hmm. again and i basically just try to hit like a cone, cone. on the top yeah because sometimes if you just do straight in the top uh you won't hit like thighs you won't hit knees stuff like that and there's a lot of great texture it just doesn't show up so you hit that and then it doesn't work well with uh flesh tones um or at least in my opinion and i don't love how metallics look if you just do slap chop and then colors so what i do is i do slap chop and then I go back and I just paint regular metallics over top of it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, any flesh tones, I will just put like the like Wraith Bone or whatever. And then just put like, you know, Gilman Flesh or Darko Flesh or whatever. Uh, and that that elevates it from like Slap Chop to something I really like um, that really doesn't take much time at all. Yeah. And, and ultimately, there's no such thing as a technique that's too basic or too fast or whatever. Like... There's no such thing as like a like a novice technique. Like there's there's a place for dry brushing. There's a place for you know filtering. It it, it doesn't matter how you do it. If the end result is something that you love, hell yeah, you know. Cool. Uh, big three parter question from Sam Lennon. Um, Fucking love that one. Guy. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, Jim, you're the you're the recipient. Do you want to receive all three bullet points at once, or you just kind of want to just break it up? For three <laughs> uh, well, let's do, let's do one at a time. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that feels better. Okay, so uh, question one from Sam: How do you progress through a commission slash project in which you are dreading painting or not enjoying painting at all? Do you simply just do it or try to do something else until the air quotes view strikes again? I think you kind of alluded to this earlier with yeah. the uh, paint schemes. Yeah, definitely. And um, the kind of repeating the mantra that like slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Um, I'll often have this pressure of like, I need to get this done fast. And by trying to speed up, I end up getting my own way. So a lot of the time I remind myself to just pace one thing at a time. Um, you know, Anthony and I have actually talked about this with, with games. Um, I mentioned like, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of it's like running where you can only run the mile you're running. So like, it doesn't matter if you're running five miles or 15, you still have to run mile one before you run mile two. Um, and so it's the same with a game where it's like, you got to play turn one first. Don't worry about turn five. Like, yeah, don't put yourself in a bad position, but like play the turn you're on first before you worry about that. Um, and so with, with painting, it's the same thing where if I get overwhelmed, it's like, well, do one thing and I'm going to take my time. I'm going to get it done right because then I don't have to go back, you know? So there's that whole, excuse me one second. Uh, sorry. I, I don't want to come down the stairs. <laughs> I don't want to come <laughs> Thanks. Sorry. That's no, all right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's kind of how I, I try to approach that. But also like um, when it's a commission, I kind of, sometimes you just have to grind. Um, but more often than not, if I am going to feel burnout, it's when I'm working on my own stuff. Um, so what I would say is if you do get burnout and you do feel like you're, you're kind of grinding on something, um, give yourself space if you need it. You know, um, it, I'll either switch to another project or I will, you know, just go do something else for a little bit. Um, and what's crazy is I find that, like, if I say to myself, I'm taking a break, you know, as long as I need. And I expect like, I'm going to need like a week or two. I'm good in like a couple of days. I start talking about painting again in, in stat check discord. And all of a sudden I'm like, hell yeah, let's paint. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's not even so much the, like actually taking time off. It's giving yourself permission to, if you need to. Um, and, and I do that with a lot of things. Like, like, again, with the running example, if I'm on a run and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to make it through five miles. Okay. Let's make it to that corner. If I make it to that corner, we can quit if we want to. And I'm at the corner. I'm like, no, we're, we're going, man. We're not going to stop now. Um, and you find those little psych tricks that, that, that work. Um, but it's, I think at the core of it is like, if, if you're getting burnt out, your body's telling you and your mind is telling you, I need, I need space. Right. And you, you give yourself that space. You give that yourself that permission. You're going to get back into it quicker than you would if you tried to just force your way through it, I think. Yeah, I like that. I like the little mental tricks. Uh, part two, or second question. Uh, this is a good one. Um, what are some of the negative things people do not see or may not know about being a commission painter? Um, yeah, I, I think the hardest part is making making a hobby into work. And I think anybody who does anything where they they mix their hobby with their with work is probably going to be able to identify with that. Um, it's tough because when it's work you can't really just say no to it sometimes um and you have to do it and so that can create resentment sometimes um and it can kind of make you feel stressed out when you get stuck because you feel like you need to maximize your output 
sometimes even working on my own projects, I'll feel like, ah, you know, I need a break, but I got to get this done because I got a commission coming up. And if I don't get it done now, I can't get it done later. And then it can build up a lot of stress. Um, so I think that that's probably the, the biggest thing for me is, um, is finding that balance. Um, and, you know, knowing when to say no and say like, I actually have a commission right now. I can take you on the next one. Cause I just, I want to say yes to everybody. <laughs> I, I want to, I, you know, I want everybody to be, be happy. I want, I want to give people what they want. And, um, it's hard for me to say, you know what? I actually don't have time for that, but I can get you on the schedule next, you know? Um, so that's, just that's stand behind Jim and yell at people when they try and get them to commission shit. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. The most, <laughs> the most power, the most powerful words you can say are commissions closed. Yes. Yeah. Or Anthony will break your legs, which I think is a longer <laughs> sentence. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, and then the final part. Uh, let's see. How do you balance wanting to paint your own projects between commissions or spending time playing the game instead of painting? All right. I am still working on that. Um, I don't balance it very well. <laughs> Full disclosure, um, that is what I'm learning how to do. Um, I, you know, I think that again, apply X and one advice to painting works really well here. Compartmentalize. Um, so what I like, I, I kind of set this up in my head. I, I think like I was listening to episode like one or two and you guys kind of talked about how if you have like the army you're actually gaming with, um, and then you have like another army that you're hobbying, having those two be two separate things is really nice. Um, it's kind of like having a car that you have your, your daily driver. And then you've got like, if you've got like one that you tinker with in the garage, it's up on blocks. Um, so, you know, if you can kind of mentally say like, all right, this army's on blocks, I'm going to work on this when I have free time, but there's no pressure. There's no schedule for it. I've got my main army that I game with. And then in my case, if I have a commission army I'm working on, that's the one that's going to take precedence when it comes to hobby time. So I've got the one I game with, the one I hobby with, and then the one for just me time that I just, you know, I feel like taking a Sunday afternoon to just blend a power weapon all day, you know? Um, and I yeah, think that if you, arc. <laughs> what's well, it's, it's a Banshee Exarch. Exactly. I, I just, just like, I came back from um, GW Orlando and I was like, I'm going to glaze this power weapon just all forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like allowing yourself to have those different zones where you put things, um, I think helps a lot with balancing and, um, I really, I'm just going to work on heeding my own advice there because, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just got to make it stop. Exactly. <laughs> true. I highlighted this one because I have a random uh, Morkanaut that I have no justification for in my collection. It's just, I, I don't know what I was playing. I, I mean, I was definitely playing Orcs. I was playing Goth Rush. And then I just, I just saw it on the shelf and you I just, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I was just in my, dri I was just in my driveway, and I just had a Morganaut. And my wife was like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Shut up! Don't look at it." Yeah. And then, then <laughs> two days later, it was just painted, and I'm like, "I." It's just been on my shelf ever since. It feels it just, good. It just, it's just sitting there. It's look. It look. It's so stupid looking. It's just sitting there, like, you know. And I'm just like, it just it taunts me, and I just don't know why I have it. I'm not going to get rid of it, but I just I just gave in. Uh -huh. the, uh, the internal voices I totally just gave in. So that 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 uh, what Kelly, Kelly's comment just really resonated with yeah. me. And I think to your point, Tim, like having that self honesty also helps a lot. Like if you're honest with yourself about why you're doing something or why you have something, then 
there doesn't there is no right or wrong answer you know if you're just like i bought this because i like it it doesn't need to be anything more than that you know next question uh now that anthony is a rising star in warhammer will your prices rise to match (laughs) not i you know i was i was thinking about this while you were like monologuing i was like man you need to make uh some business cards but like make them make them where they, they kind of fold so that way they can stand up on their own and like force anthony to just like leave them in his army tray so that way like at events when they're walking around if they see what they like your contact info's right there dude yeah. i tell people like that's the first thing i say mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i i this this question is a bit of a meme but um you know i i kind of hope that uh my my charge for anthony is to turn me into a killing machine on the table uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for that villain arc, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we talked about pricing before, so I wasn't going to get too in detail with that, but you know, it's really just like input output, like how much you willing to spend, how much time can I put into this? And, you know, we're, we're going to get you something you like. The answer to how much time can you put into this is always not enough. I remember no. we tried with CSM to be like, oh, here's the models early. And then it just like still was like, hey, bro, you got a month. Good luck. Yeah. It, it, I mean, there is always that element of like work does expand to fill the time it's given. Um, yeah. So sometimes having a sooner deadline is better. Uh, but when it's CSM, it's just there's always more trim. There. Those those possessed are a bear to hobby. Yeah. An absolute bear. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, like when the, especially on the backpacks, like where does the flesh end and the metal start? Like I don't know what to paint, what color. I don't know. You just kind of guess. Jim done thirty. Of them? Uh, I think we're at twenty. Nah, the new possessed, the, the, the not even. Oh yeah. Friends, there's twenty-seven of the new possessed. That's right. Oh, and then there's like another like fifteen of the printed possessed. So he's done like forty something possessed. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to get memories Oof. recurring that I didn't realize happened. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> in, in that haze, though, you painted that really dope venom crawler that I always get compliments about. That's the other one. Yeah, that and the rhinos. It's like, yeah, I don't even remember painting that thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when I blew just, the dust off. Of. Just, just pure yeah. lightning in a model. Yeah. Uh, all right, <laughs> Anthony, look alive. This one's for you. Uh, is yeah. there an army project that you? would really want to build and paint yourself? Uh, no. Uh, but <laughs> the, that's like the short answer. Uh, the part of that is that I just like find it frustrating. Now, part of this is my fault. I built a tiny CSM squad. I built a couple models out of a CSM squad as my first models in 40K, which is like pretty reasonable. And, hard. and then, hard. oh, it gets way worse. It, and then the next thing I did was build three Lord Discordans. And now I don't know if you've oh, built oh. one of those. <laughs> but it is <laughs> fucking awful the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I immediately retired. I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> that is the last thing I'll build. Um, I- so if I was going to do anything for myself, like at all ever, it would, it would have to be like custodies or something because it would have to be like, 10 dudes that are dudes that I'm going to like bullet hose with an airbrush under (laughs) eye and hopefully it works out okay at the end. Custodies are like really good to assemble because they're just they're just very chunky. It feels like you're almost like building them out of like Legos or something like that. Yeah, it's good. That's the experience I'm looking for. I built a few over the past month. I built a couple of the Slanesh chariots. Um, Yeah. Oh, 
Not no no no. Here's the thing. Like I was expecting oh, yeah? the worst because I'd heard all the horse. I didn't think they were that bad. Oh, all right. The 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 so like the axle. Every single one of those little stars is an individual piece. But um, I just clicked it out slowly and I just arranged them from left to right in the order. And I just kind of went. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to build like three in a day or anything, but. Um, yeah. To this day, the worst thing I've ever built was um, the a Necron Ghost Arc. That was I hear terrible stories about that. Jim had it was so models at one point. It was it was awful. Yeah. And then like when you finally, if when you finally get done, you look and you look at it down the line, and like the ribs are like kind of doing this because there's a little bit of give <gasps> in the middle, so like oh. there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of torsion along the spine, and so you look and now and then you can't unsee it, and the plastic <laughs> glue is already set, so it's just kind of like. It's doing this. You're just like, oh my god, this is terrible. Yeah, so that was still the to this day the worst thing I've ever built. Um, Jim, back to you. Any tips for this is very specific, but uh, Frank sounds like he's in desperate need of answer here. Any tips? I know you already answered him, but just for everyone, any tips for highlighting midnight blue? How hard should I push contrast without losing the mini reading as dark blue? That's a good question. Um, a lot of times when you're under the painting lights, contrast doesn't seem as um. It seems more like you have more contrast than you actually do. So I highly recommend when you're doing your test scheme um, to take it out of the paint light and see how it looks under like normal gaming lights. Because um, yeah. I find if it's going to be a tabletop piece, I want to push those contrasts a little further. Um, for midnight, midnight blue in particular, I think mix it with lighter blues um, and see how that looks on the palette. Um, try a couple highlights again, and you, you're going to find a, a good happy medium. I don't know if you want to mix um, white into it necessarily, because I feel like that's going to desaturate it. Um, so I, I, I'm uh, picturing if you're doing like a um, like a crimson fists kind of scheme, right? You've got like that nice um, was that cancer blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I would highlight that with um, just like a mid tone kind of blue, like um, what do they call enchanted blue now? I don't know, Caldor sky, I guess, uh, something along that color um and i would start with like if you can do like volume highlights of like um you know kind of the same way you would do um zenithal highlights with like an airbrush like spraying from above if you have the ability to do that um that's going to look really good with blue um blue you don't have to pre-shade if you want to get a nice gradient um because blue is just like a really powerful pigment for whatever reason i don't know the science behind it um you can literally just go blue, lighter blue, lightest blue, and it's just gonna look nice. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, if you want to do that with red, you have to like build up a pre-shade with white first, and then you have to filter it and don't put too much because then you're not gonna be able to see it, but not enough, and it looks pink and it's pink. Um, but blue, it's just like blue, blue, blue. Um, so yeah, I would say find a midtone, mix it with your dark blue, see how that looks. Maybe go one step brighter. Look at it under regular light. Once you've looked at it under regular light, then you can decide if you want to go even brighter than that. If you want to go up to like a, um, I can't remember the, oh, techless blue is a good one to use as like the final highlight. If you're doing like a, like an edge, that's probably a good one for that too. Cool. Um, I, I didn't know that. I mean, when you explained it about the blue, I, it's just one of the, I don't know. Just, I'm trying to think of like the way to describe like what I just heard. Um, it's kind of like how we talk about like when you hear someone on a podcast, they say something that deep down you knew, you just never consciously knew it. You just always subconsciously knew it. Um, yeah. It was really cool to hear Jim talk about that, about the blue and then immediately follow up with the red. Cause I've lived both those experiences uh, painfully in the, in the case of like red or yellow or orange. Um, 
And but I so in a way like I I didn't know that it was really cool to hear that like put out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I learned. Blue I learned is, something it's, today. it's pretty low maintenance as a color, but it can overpower things. So you have to be careful with it. Hmm. Um, whereas like getting red right is hard, but it feels really good. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Um, let's see. This is kind of a meme question, but you know we want to embarrass Jim a little bit. Uh, this is from Jack Harpstar. Oh snap! <laughs> uh, Jim, colon. Has your raw handsomeness and sex appeal caused problems for you at all? So people ask me to tone it down a little bit. Um, so I grew this beard, uh, but I, I think I don't know if that helped or not. It's adding. It's adding. <laughs> yeah, I, he's getting like bobbed in the street and everything. Yeah, <laughs> thank, no thank you, Jack. It happened at all is dust. We got stopped by Canadian security for like an hour. That, sure that, that did happen. Cool. Yeah, they had so many questions about Warhammer. They did. I like to think that there's like one Canadian customs guy who's just into 40k now. Yeah. <laughs> we were there for long enough. Fuck, I should charge that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a few customs and TSA people who are like who just play Warhammer now. Like, just like they finally saw enough, or they're just like someone. Let's this, like, let's let me check this, this out. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A couple of the people like on the way back, they were like, "Oh, this is this. Your models look really cool." Like when you you had to open yeah. the case up. Yeah, they're like, "These are cool." <laughs> yep. So, yeah. I can definitely see like it's kind of cool where you just like you have someone open a case and it's just all of a sudden just army. Behold. Uh, yeah. Behold. Oh. Um this one looks like it's uh, another question for Anthony. What is your favorite model models or unit that Anna has painted for you? Oh, it is there's uh oh I should have been more prepared for this and like had it next to me. Uh but there is a Lord Discordant in the other room that is white with gold trim. That was the inspiration for the rest of my CSM that has like a blood spray on the front of it. Uh Jim's seen him. He was my Lord Disco when I played Bile for a bit. Um and then the brief window when I was running one in Emperor's Children. But yeah, that's like one of my favorite models. And every time CSM gets a new book, I like shoehorn a disco into my list. And I'm like, come on, it can't be that bad. And every time <laughs> something else but i'm like come on because i just try and get that model in because that's my boy that's awesome yeah awesome cool well that's all the questions i don't see uh any questions in chat although i will be looking so in the next five minutes someone wants a question you throw it in there uh i'd say real quick and casual way to kind of close this out we've had a bunch of articles and information on 10th edition the last uh two weeks so not really um not like a hot take segment because it's definitely oversaturated for that but like I don't know, like what are you, what are y'all like thinking? What are you vibing? You know, like I know there's a lot of mixed feelings out there in the community right now. You know, um, especially being kind of like I guess quote a lame duck edition. Although I'm still playing games because it's Warhammer is still Warhammer and I'm still having fun with it. It's so now is the yeah, it's still fun. Get that GPS going, bro. You gotta get work that good player shit in between. <laughs> Well, we, we talk about all the time, like uh, risk mitigation and movement. Like those are the things you can practice on, um, yep. regardless of what edition it is. I don't, I don't see that changing for ten. So I'll, I'll lead. Um, I've kind of been paying attention to some of the articles, but not really. Um, I think I'm going to be up to my eyeballs in tenth edition with the TBOSA stuff uh, in July. So I'm not super stressed about overanalyzing every little snippet of out of context data that comes my way now. Especially because it's pretty soon, I think Anthony and I are going to be concerned about like more like the holistic high level, rather than like maybe like the individual nuts and bolts now. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just letting it come when it comes. I'm not really. I mean, I'm getting excited about it, you know, cautiously. But that's about it. Yeah, some articles hype. It was cool. Um, 
mixed opinions about it. Like some of my locals, they didn't they didn't like the the, the whole D three mortals thing. They're like, they're like, can it be oh. one mortal, please? It, yeah, that would have been preferable. There was a couple of times of today where I like joke rolled out activations to be like what does this actually look like and i took mortals on abaddon like an uncomfortable amount of times where that's I was like, that's ex <laughs> that's exact that's exactly who i was thinking about i was like i was like oh man i could just see the number of times you're just going to take yeah. three mortals straight up on abaddon at like the worst possible time yeah you just stole the infertile uh night household thing jammed it onto the whole army yeah it's way better on the csm version though for sure infernal yeah. suck yeah like, um, oh, I lose a model. Great, that's fine. Don't don't let Mono Knight players lie to you. Vectrix isn't good. Um, the yeah, I don't know. Like the <laughs> it's funny <laughs> having this experience where like I say something and then someone's like, "Nah, bro, we need all the info." And I'm like, "All right, but like that thing seems crazy, right?" And they're like, "No, no, no." Without the context, I'm like, "Okay, but like we don't have the context." So can we just talk about the thing that we have? And they're like, no, 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 because we don't have the, and it just like drives me nuts. So I've kind of just like disengaged from dealing with that. Uh, Cause things like that drive me insane. Cause uh, like, even without the whole, like, I don't know, to use like a really extreme example if GW printed a rule that was like on a four up, your opponent punches you in the mouth. You'd never be like, Oh, well, we don't know the rest of the context. Like maybe on the one through three, you <laughs> like, that's not how that works. Right. We got to see the whole picture guys. We got to see the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I get kicked in the nuts when I lose my home objective, I'm not going to be thrilled about that mission layout, but like, I don't know, like certain things you can look at and be like, Oh, that's not good. Like that's a yeah. bad idea. Yeah. Regardless of if it's like not likely to come up or whatever it may be. Like there's a couple of things that are just like, what are we doing? But across the I'm just getting I'm just getting flashbacks to like early ninth or just poor ninth when the the fire strike servo turret was previewed and people were unironically comparing it to the boogeyman of eighth edition which was centurions because yeah right. it's a it's a model that's shaped like a square and like it was and and it had the same number of wounds same toughness you know but like but it people two, were like right or not at all people people were like yeah but the the, the, the number of shots the damage, the bliss skill two, the, the math know, hammer, four. Anthony, the math hammer. Yeah, I think oh I think it's goodness. it's a tech it's a tech it's a tech marine on it. So I'm an armor saver two. People were unironically comparing it to centurions yeah. and like dooming so hard about this thing, Yo, and like that, it, it was so funny. So I always just think that's, that's like bad. a great uh, like sign of like my like play group at the time being like ahead of our step, right? Because like we played like with each other, and then we played like at some GTs, and then we went and like top twenty supers. That was like our play group's like experience. Uh, it was like me, my friend Joe, and Brandon. Um, and like when that unit came out, we died laughing. Like we were, it was like we saw the preview for that like right before we were about to like smoke or something for the night, and then we made fun of that unit for like several days of like <laughs> i've i've still never seen one in person not not just an event just never seen one i, we had I a, still have never seen it we we had a guy bring one to a tournament and during tournament awards for the rtt they gave him an award just because he brought them like he went like one and two finished like middle of the pack but they gave him prize support because they were like, yo, we didn't know these existed. <laughs> like, here you go, up top, hell yeah. We know what it does. Yeah. I, I just can't wait till I finally see one. And then, like, I know that I'm just eager to be surprised that it's either A, way bigger or B, way smaller than, like, I expected. And I'm like, Dude, oh, cool. Every time, Anyways. first time they see the Parasite of Mortrex, you're like, what the fuck is that? It's a little. Yeah. It's a little. 
Uh, Jim, what about you, man? Tenth edition. What do you What are you vibing? Oh boy. Um. So I've been thinking a lot about because when when the initial edition first got announced, I was like, it, it kind of took the wind out of my sails. Um. But the more I think about it, it's it's nice to kind of have um be able to hit the ground running from the start of an edition because when ninth started, I I was buying a house, so I kind of missed out on the beginnings of ninth. Um. But I will say I'm sort of anxious about figuring out what I'm going to play because there's a lot of hobby like for me. Um, and I think that there's probably going to be a moment where I'm going to go, I want to play Eldar, and then I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's sort of like, how how do I best prepare for, for 10th? Um, and I imagine there's probably a lot of players with similar feelings right now of like, uh, like what Anthony said, like work. <laughs> What's the matter? I, I, I saw that. You saw that? You could see Anna I saw that. on the ground oh. trying to carefully stealth crawl past. Yeah, he could see you. <laughs> Tim saw you. <laughs> oh, big, God, big, big the ring slash the grudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that actually fits Anna better than you're aware of. Oh, oh God, I see her now. <laughs> yeah. That actually scared me a little bit. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's oh, the life. Oh shit! All right, sorry, sorry to, no, sorry to interrupt, okay. Jim. All right, that's all right. Um, but kind of what I'm, um, what I'm thinking about is, is for tenth, like I kind of sort of want somebody to just like, like usual, just tell me what to play. Uh, just be like Jim in the start of tenth, exactly. So, so I'm kind of hoping Anthony will will tell me something to play in tenth that is something that I either already have or am excited to paint, um, because nothing says new edition like getting that gray plastic out and you know going to town on it and i, I just I, I, so much what's that <laughs> so there's so much gray plastic like 10 feet behind you there is yeah there's a whole box of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you know once we know a little bit more maybe about like the faction previews and stuff like that i'd like to get an idea sooner rather than later and i think again a lot of people probably feel this way um something that i can commit to really get into um and just kind of hit the ground running with, and even if it doesn't end up being the best army, um, I just want to get out there. I want to play games. I want to. I want to be solid, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, just just give it a good shot. And uh, we're supposed to have our our store, our favorite store, opening up soon. And uh, excited about the community up there. So it's gonna be a good time. Cliff, bring it home for us, man. Um, yeah. So like, I I'm very excited about given the toughness increases, potentially being able to play custodies the way that they're supposed to be played. Like I like that's, those are my babies. And if if I can throw like nine to 12 models down on the table and just have them swimming through marine bodies, like that would bring me immense joy. Um, just make them faster. Just a little bit faster, hit super hard in combat, really durable, just can't be in a lot of places at the same time. Living the dream, would love it. Um, and I've got, I'm like lucky enough to have spent a lot of time hobbying over the last like four or five years. So I've got like Necrons, Knights, working on some Chaos Knights now, a um, bunch of Tyranids, um, soon to be Death Watch. So I, I, there'll be a lot of flexibility there. I'm also excited more broadly for the, it's clear that they were moving a lot of the intricacies around close combat like with those like sort of charge rules and like direct, direct proceed carefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are these like, they're clearly trying to make it more, I don't know. It's just like less intense with respect to rules and more, it sounds like more similar, to like age of Sigmar. Um, 
And I think that that's going to help with like a, right now there's sort of like two stages, I think between like the broad population of players and like people that are really good. There's like a knowledge gap between a bunch of players and like other players. And then once you have all the knowledge about the mechanics of the game, there's another step where it's like, are you actually good at the game now, given your knowledge of the actual underlying mechanics? And I think removing the knowledge gap and the ability for that to be there is going to be like net positive for the community, especially as it grows, like making the game easier to access is good. And I think it'll reinforce that much more for people, like how big and how real that like skill and execution gap is. Uh, and then given all the resources that are available, I think it'll like hopefully help push people towards examining their own play and being like, okay, cool. Like, how can I get better? Um, what do I need to do to change? How can I improve? Um, versus having that excuse, which I think really does exist now of like, oh, I didn't know that you could do it. Like, I didn't know that was possible. And now you're like, yay, man, that's it. You've learned, but you've also lost. Uh, like skipping that stuff will, re will be really nice. Yeah, it was, I'm gonna mourn the ability to like, you know, pull like the real ninja ninja shit like, where you just like <laughs> big brain, down, where you pop where you pile where you charge someone so they can't heroic and then you pile out of combat with them and then like yeah. they don't even get to activate and they're just kind of like you know and like <laughs> I, will, I will i will i will miss that because um i wouldn't do it to like brand new people but every like i would do it to like a lot of people and every time i did it it felt so satisfying but like eighth edition there was a lot of stuff that um there was a lot of finesse and skill expression eighth edition melee that that didn't transfer over to the ninth and you know um it stung for a couple months and then eventually i got over it and even though as a unapologetic uh melee enthusiast um i know that i will mourn the loss of like the finesse for the first couple months of ninth edition or tenth edition um i can kind of see we're like a year into tenth edition i'm just kind of like focused on other things you know and we just get back to like maybe more of like macro level like there'll be like a little bit of like micro level stuff you can do but like generally the player who makes uh establishes a pattern of good decision making mm -hmm. from pen to paper uh list writing to yep. like that final turn five yep uh execution like is going to be the one who's going to win yeah yep. yeah for sure uh a question did pop up anthony when's your next tournament uh my next tournament is the gw kansas city i'm playing on art of war as a team uh, it'll be me jack uh john siegs and alex mcdougall uh, who does not often get to come down for these so it's gonna be fucking hype that's a, that's a strong um, team it is a very powerful yeah team. uh the plan is to fucking win so yeah, yeah. Uh, five golden tickets in a row on a line. We uh, we go hard. So it's uh, I'd, I'd be hitting them team events. That's the thing I'm doing. Uh, the person that asked that question, by the way, is a fucking saint in the hobby. His name is Jeremy Knox. He is awesome. Incredible dude. Great opponent. Great player. Fucking love that guy. Cool. And uh, you guys, and uh, you guys going to GW Seattle? I think so we're all East Coast guys. I would plan to but it's actually more expensive for me to go to any of the west coast events than it is to go to any of the english events or any of the central right. europe events yeah. so i just coast, don't do those anymore coast to coast is rough right now it's crazy so. dude, it's it's in, rough. dude it's like double it's not like it's like one thing if it was just like more expensive but when i last time i looked it was literally twice as much i was like what is why yeah we're getting, <laughs> we're getting scammed out here yeah 
Yeah, it's it's especially painful for me. Um, I I remember it when I went to uh, Charity Hammer a couple of years ago because oh. I live I live in Fort Lauderdale, literally. Um, dang. So like, <laughs> open up a yeah, open up a map and look where like Fort Lauderdale, Miami is, and then like draw a line to Seattle. Like that was an extra two hours of flying time on yep. top of what it was just doing the hypotenuse of the United States and like <laughs> it was yeah it, like if we if we were if like California was like the A and then like the the border of Mexico was B we were solving for C like <laughs> very much so yeah the um, uh it was I bad will, I will be at LGT Noah that I'm 100% going to I get to uh this is not a thing I've talked about uh Dan J who is in the discord who is a fucking wizard when Woo! it comes to rush yeah. is doing a drazar for me so I get Ooh, one of the few commissions Dan's ever done as a Drazar, who is my, if you know anything about me, that's my baby, my personal yeah. avatar. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing one for me. And I get to, I get, uh, I'm not going to see it from now until when I pick it up. So I'm going to blind pick up a uh, commission. So yeah, it's a thing we're doing. It's going to be fucking hype. Yeah, Dan's that doing that kind of work for you. That's a good, good way to do it. Yeah. What'd you say? I said, if Dan's doing that commission for you, great way to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 in his wheelhouse too. Uh, oh yeah, so his work is beautiful. Very yeah. good choice. Uh, for me, um, obviously WTC uh, with Anthony, and I've already Ooh. I've already paid for tickets. Like done, like we're done like, a lot. Of, we've already done all the logistics stuff. So even if I don't make the final cut for the roster, like I'm gonna go support my boys. It's just. Yeah, I will probably be. I, I will then be spending more time. Maybe it's a practice games, and I'll just be spending more time sightseeing with my family because I'm bringing the family along. Um, London GT. Uh, I have not done like actually any kind of like logistics prep for that, except for putting the leave uh, the time off request. Um, but I'm planning to go to that. Uh, Nova because Nova is a great event that I always try to make, and then uh, they. I saw they were doing a GW Open Tampa, so I just hail married that. And I, again, I've done no logistic work for that, and like that's a future ten problem. But those are those are my next ones. And, yeah. What about you guys? You guys got any events coming up? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I am gonna try to hit GW Atlanta for the uh narrative. That'll be super fun. Also, oh, Atlanta yeah. is sick. Like, I just the city is so dope. Um, and maybe try to hit another GW event. Aside from that, it's just like you know, Crusade, random RTTs trying to build the local community up. Yeah, it's we're doing. Awesome. We might be doing some stuff, Cliff. I might see you soon. Right? Hey, oh yeah. Get so something going. Yeah. Right here. Anything you can uh, you can share with us? Uh, no, nothing that crazy. So Anthony, no, nothing. <laughs> Anthony has volunteered to come out and like run, uh, essentially like Warhammer 40k seminars at differential skill levels, depending on the people that are there and who are attending at uh, my friendly local game store. So as 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 we transition from Crusade out into now, we have RTTs that you should come to, guys, because you've all got two thousand point armies. Uh, and with the launch of 10th, it'll be a really good opportunity to take people who are interested in like, you know, showing up and really trying to win, uh, to learn how to win from someone who is doing a lot of winning. <laughs> a fair amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and above average amount. Awesome. Well, guys, that, um, I think that's it. I think that's a nice bow uh, to kind of wrap on it. And with uh, Jim, again, thank you so much. Um, well, your feedback you. has been your feedback has been awesome. It was awesome to hear you talk about commissioning. Kind of pull the curtain back on that a little bit. Um, anything else? Like any plugs you want to do, or anything else you want to add before we uh, close oh, this out? Nothing specific. Just uh, if you're not, you know, already signed up for the Discord, definitely do that. Uh, check out Cult of Paint; they're amazing. And uh, 
No, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's been an honor. Thanks for coming cool. on. Yeah, same for you, Anthony. Uh, I know you're you're semi regular, but again, every single time you make time for us, I know your schedule's busy. It's awesome. Any plugs uh, from you? Uh, nothing really. I'm a I'm a coach through Art of War. I'm a regular contributor on the main show for Stat Check. Those are the two main things that I do. Uh, I would plug Team USA stuff and insert that here, but we're that's a work in progress. Coming soon, TM. Uh, so yeah, those are the three main things. Awesome. Well, uh, all the viewers and listeners, thank you so much for uh, spending your evening with us or your morning if you are uh, going to be listening to this on the podcast or your commute. And uh, go out there, play some Warhammer, and we will see you in roughly two weeks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, y'all. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.